So hello and welcome to the Ravens, a One Tree Hill podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Dom. And tonight we are honoured to be joined, Dom, by One Tree Hill legend. Royalty is in the house. I'm talking the character that has the biggest impact with the smallest amount of screen time. And tonight on the Ravens podcast, he speaks and we love it. Colin Fickus, thank you so much for joining us. It is an absolute honour. Welcome, and how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Thank you for having me. It's an honour. The honour is all ours, right, Dom? Oh, it, it genuinely is all of ours. We're, we're so excited to talk to you uh, and just to get to find out about your experience and kind of what you've been up to, but mostly just, just to say hello to you is, is a great honour. So, yeah, we really appreciate your time. Oh, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Well, our first question to to take it to the beginning is uh, how did you first get into acting and and end up in the the first two episodes of One Tree Hill? Um, And also, if you could touch on Dawson's Creek as well, would be amazing because we cover that. uh, We've covered that on our channel as well. And it was awesome to see you in there. Cool. Yeah, it was a million years ago. But uh, my recollection is that I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina um, and uh, was playing soccer as a kid, but wasn't very good at it. And, you know, always looking for ways to express myself, started doing um, community theater. My mom was super supportive and, uh, you know, enrolled me in all the, you know, theater camps and things in Raleigh, North Carolina. So it started doing community theater locally. And then there was this really cool thing that happened in the early 90s where a lot of productions were leaving New York and Los Angeles and they were going to other places in the United States where there was a t- a more of a tax incentive to film. Um, and so North Carolina and Wilmington, North Carolina, it became this kind of um, hotbed of of productions that had left New York and L.A. and they were shooting locally. And so I I got an agent in Raleigh, North Carolina and started auditioning kind of as a kid. I mean, yeah, I was like 12 12 or so when I started auditioning for TV and film. And I would drive two hours from Raleigh, North Carolina to Wilmington, which is on the coast, and would kind of – it was fun because I would, like, get out of school and spend the afternoon going to the beach and auditioning and – I uh, was doing that for, for a while and got my first gig on a Coen Brothers film uh, with Paul Newman and Tim Robbins uh, that was filmed in Wilmington called uh, The Hudsucker Proxy. And so had a speaking line in that um, and then kept auditioning. And then I booked Austin's Creek right in between high school and college. So I spent, I think, that summer right before college doing Dawson's Creek and uh, kept auditioning and then got a part in a horror film uh, that was shooting in Richmond, Virginia. And so that took me out of college in my second semester of my first year. And from then on, I, you know, I had met all these actors that were around my age and they were like doing what I love doing and they weren't in school. And I was like, you know what, I really want to go for it. And uh, I moved to New York City when I was 19 started auditioning there and then eventually moved to Los Angeles. And I was actually living in Los Angeles when I heard about the One Tree Hill audition and um, auditioned in LA. It's a really long convoluted story, but auditioned in LA, they said no. 
And then the local casting director in Wilmington, who I had known from growing up, said, actually, no, he's really right for this part. And um, they had me come to North Carolina to audition to be hired as a local because the studio could save money that way. And so, um, yeah, it's just a real long story. And so I was hired as a local, did the exact same audition I did in L.A., but in North Carolina, because they, I was being hired as a local, um, for some reason I got the job. So they could save some money. And um, and then I was hired as a local and did the first two episodes. And that's kind of how it started. Awesome. Perfect answer. <laughs> the wrong answer, but that's the answer. And then, uh, you know, and, and a lot of people don't know this, but I left the show after two episodes. Um, I, there was, uh, I was told I would be in the first four and then I got to North Carolina and I was still paying for my, you know, I was still a struggling actor in LA and I, um, I was paying for a place in LA. I was paying for a place in North Carolina because I said I was a local. So when you're a local, you don't have to, they don't, the studio doesn't have to pay for your lodging. And so um, I was renting a house in Wilmington as well. And then like the third episode, the script came in and I was cut out of a lot of it and um, was only being hired for like a day. And I couldn't afford to do, to keep the place in LA and the place in Wilmington. So I unfortunately and sadly had to leave the show, but in a strange turn of events, had I stayed on, I don't think you would have seen the arc that is created in season three. Wow. So that's a little bit of, that's some tea for you there. That's the, uh, <laughs> the, the true story. That's awesome. And we, yeah, we had no idea about that. Um, yeah. A lot of people so. wrong. I, um, I'm finally kind of like talking about it some. So, you know, it's like as an actor, you're, you're really just trying to get work. And um, there are so many people that end up deciding to do local hire, but you also, you know, financially, it's not always the best move when, you know, you're living in a bigger city where you're trying to make it. Um, for some people, it works out. For me, I couldn't afford to, you know, when I was like, not really, my scenes were getting cut from some of the future episodes. And I was like, can't afford to do it, but um, I would have loved to have to have stayed. But um, you know, I think I'm rambling. But you know, it's a teen soap opera, and there were all these pretty faces. And the creator at the time, uh, Mark Schwann, kept telling me and Lee Norris that he was really rooting for our characters because that's kind of how he felt or who he was in high school. And um, and then we he kept telling us, and I don't know if it's true, is that the studio you know, they wanted the pretty people and not the, uh, the average Joes. So we were from the beginning, it was like, I was fighting to get on the show. You know, I was fighting to stay on the show and, um, it just didn't work out, but then they did have me back in season three to do that, that big dramatic arc. So as a, as a first time watcher of the show, so the, the, the yeah. kind of the point of our podcast is that Simon loves the show, has seen it three sorry like four or five times all the way through i've never seen yeah. it and he's guiding me through so we watched the first two episodes we love jimmy edwards we talk about him all the time and i'm continuously saying for like the next sort of 60 odd episodes when's jimmy coming back you know and huh. and then there's this big reveal jimmy returns and it was like I I wasn't expecting it to be honest, and I was so happy that it happened, um, which kind of leads us into our, our next question because we had a few questions in between, but you beautifully answered them with with your answer as you went. 
as you went through. But your return in um, uh, season three, episode 15, uh, and then the conclusion uh, in episode 16 were like the most memorable for the entire show. Like definitely for me um, so far as well. But I I think they're definitely going to stick in my mind forever. Um, uh, is, Is it sort of surreal for you to have such a huge impact on a show um, with only four episodes kind of under your belt that you were, that you were involved in, particularly those two. Great question. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy to me. Cause if you really add it up, I really wasn't there for that long. And I think it's interesting. I think there's two types of um, viewers. There's viewers like you who remembered me for a little while, but I would argue that it's m- most of the people that I meet at conventions and it's kind of great storytelling too. And I don't think it was purposeful in the beginning because, again, I left the show and they just they couldn't write. They had to write me out, I guess, for any of the scenes that I was going to be doing for episode three and four. But they forgot about me. Right. And so you're kind of feeling guilty as a fan if you're if, of the show, if you're watching and then you, you realize that you're kind of like his group of friends who forgot who he is or had let him fall by the wayside and lost track of him. So I think it's an interesting, um, happy accident that there are fans that are, I think feel the same way that maybe the characters did as well. When there's that regret, I mean, it's great that you remembered me, but I, I, I would say that I would, most of the people that I meet at conventions are like, yeah, I completely forgot about, you know, Jimmy in the beginning. I could be wrong about that, but, um, you know, it's interesting. There's two types, you know, of, of viewers that either fully remember or had forgotten. And then it takes that long until episode 315 that you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. What happened to him? So um, but it is interesting that I, I did four episodes and I feel like I keep saying, I mean, if there was a, if I got a nickel for every time they said the name Jimmy Edwards on the show, because <laughs> it kind of keeps going. Right. Um, and I don't want to spoil too much for you, but um but but yeah, it was really interesting to have only done four episodes and to have it be this kind of um, epic storyline that that unfolded. Well, firstly, this is a great podcast already. So I've got the pink <laughs> champagne here just because I, I had a feeling I wasn't going to bring this out if this wasn't it's going well. It's not even Wednesday, Simon. <laughs> the thing is, is this going well? So allow one second. Mm-hmm. Cheers. This that's, happens. Yeah, I'm going to... I'll join Colin on this. <laughs> That's the taste of successful podcasting right there. Um, <laughs> I'd like to take some credit. I was um, playing uh, Mean Joe Condom throughout se- season one and two up until you were coming back. And I kept joking with him that, remember Jimmy, one day he's going to come back with a gun and, you know, this, that and the other. I mean, obviously these were... He didn't. I was trying to put it in such plain sight for him that uh, he wouldn't think it's ever possible, you know. And then when you came back to make the reveal even even more, Um, there's something I wanted to add and something that we really complimented you on. So many things we complimented you on when we covered that episode on our podcast or those two episodes. But considering that you, I know you you've done other projects and things, but you hadn't been within the One Tree Hill world and in in the filming process where all of the your co-stars had in especially in 316 when you are the focal point in the middle um like that's so much weight to be carrying in terms of all of the dialogue you had to obviously remember your performance is so uh amazing it's so you having to do the, the whole variety of emotions um did you feel like a lot of weight 
considering you didn't have that rapport maybe with like the camera operators and you know the the writers and everyone else like the rest of your co-stars did i mean yeah just generally speaking it's really hard to be a guest actor on a show uh because everyone that's there knows each other the crew the cast everyone and it's like they're a family um and so when you're coming in for just a little blip of you know snippet of time uh it's hard um but i so badly i think the the more the whole like feeling of this story for me and my time on wintry hill was that and it helped inform the character as well it's like always trying to prove yourself and be seen and it's like jimmy only wanted to be seen and i kind of feel like as an actor you know that's what actors want too and i think with everything that kind of played out with this specific TV show, um, how I was auditioning in LA and they were like, no, he's, you know, and then I go to North Carolina and do the same audition. And then they're like, yes, he's perfect. It's like, and then I like had to try to prove myself. And then, you know, then they, they wrote me out of this, you know, they cut some of my scenes and I couldn't afford to stay in, in Wilmington at the time. And it was like always trying to prove myself. So um, I relate in that sense as a guest actor coming on, it's just, you're trying to do the best job you can do. Um, And then in terms of, yeah, I mean, it was in terms of that specific episode, it was really scary because it was a lot of dialogue. And I'm so grateful that I have a background in theater where you are, I mean, it's all about the script and you have to be off book and you have to know it, you know, front way, frontwards and backwards. And, um, you know, when I got that script, I locked myself in a hotel room and did not leave. And everyone's like, how's Wilmington? And, and Wilmington is great. And I know it well, because I, you know, grew up going there for auditions, but, um, you know, didn't really experience much of the, uh, of, 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 of Wilmington because I was in a hotel room learning all of the, of the lines. Um, so I really just tried to be as prepared as possible because it was a, a big undertaking. I was very scared to, um, I wanted to do it really honestly. And I was also like, how is this going to fit on a, on a teen soap opera? Because it was very, as you've seen, it's like, it's unlike no other episode to date from what had been showing before that episode. So, um, you know, I was like, how can we make it really real and honest even though we are in this like very much teen soap opera vibe, if that makes sense. Yeah. There was some pressure there. And had you kept up watching the show in between, like from the season, yeah, did you have to quickly I, catch I, up? I mean, every now and again, I, I but I, and in full transparency, I have not seen most episodes. Um, and uh, I watched a couple, I think of the first couple of seasons um, and I maybe have seen uh, three three episodes of subsequent um, episodes. Maybe one day I'll sit down. We can do another podcast where I'm sitting down and watching the show. That would be awesome. Let's do that. Like, we should absolutely do that. Cool. Let's uh, do I, won't, I won't be the only one that's new to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. Like one thing, just coming back to 
to that episode and kind of the, the process around learning the lines and stuff. So you, you obviously had such a great volume of dialogue. You lock yourself away, you learn it. Is it just read and read and read and read for you or and it kind of sinks in? Or are you having to go back to it every now and then and, and kind of take chunks of it and yeah. hope that hope to process it that way? Was there a bit of ad-libbing or are the, are the team that are filming you saying, no, no, you, word for it word, was, you know? It was it? all word for word. Wow. Everything everything was word for word because, you know, having done theater, it's like the it, it's all in the script. And so I would read it, read it, read it, put it away and think about it, sleep on it, come back, read it, read it, read it, read it. I mean, and just back and forth and just kept trying to find the ways, you know, that I was going to portray it. And it's interesting. There was one, I think there was one disagreement that I had with the, uh, the director at the time uh, who the line at the very end, when I'm saying, I'm not here, I'm not here. He did not want it to it actually. And it was with the creator too. It was with Mark Schwann. And I think it was Mark who, didn't like how I was saying it. He felt like I was like I was disengaging, and he he. This is from what I recall. This was years ago. I was saying it like like it's an out of body experience at that moment, um, where he is really out of at that point because he's gone that whole hour of like or that whole day in the in the tutor center um, that he would be kind of out of it at that. Point. And he thought that I think Mark thought that he wanted it to be where I wasn't out of it, where it was like, and I don't know how he wanted the line said, but it was like he didn't want it to feel like I was out of it and did and and killed myself because I was just out of it. He wanted me to remain in control. And I think I was in control, but it is this like, that's just how I felt the character would have done it. I know I'm rambling right now, but no, it's that's, like that's a it, super memorable it, part. Like, we we yeah. commented on that on how 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 what a great uh, choice that was because it's like like you said he had been through so much trauma and then it was like could this even be real and then finally sort of letting go it kind of made it even sadder. It was like Jimmy had been pushed to this mm. point. Um, so yeah, we I mean, and that line reading like i i hear so many i said this to you in an email i hear so many of the lines of your lines of dialogue in my head randomly uh from time to time because they're so memorable sorry don what was you gonna say no it was like a uh a it felt like a complete resolution exactly Mm. like you said like jimmy has got to this point and it's like that's how i felt and and it was like like the button to everything yeah it's done it uh, still was his choice, yeah, but it was like he had this moment where it's like, you know how they say when you die, your whole life flashes before your eyes? I think for him in that moment, everything that was flashing through when he's like, I'm not here, I'm not here, was like kind of like I cannot believe that this is where I'm at, mm. like that it led to this and that I could not get pulled out of it. I couldn't get pulled out of the depression. Everyone tried in the tutor room to like get me out of it. And it just like it, nothing. He was in such despair that like nothing could do it. And then he finally he's realizing at the end, like I'm not, I'm not here. Like I'm, I'm this is it. And it was, I have to say, portrayed perfectly. Thank I mean, you. that came across perfectly. I mean, the subject matter, matter, sorry, is difficult. Um, 
as yeah. it is, you, you know, with everything going on and, and kind of the, the, the subject matter in general, uh, you know, school shooting or, the, you know, a student with a gun, the depression, the loneliness, yeah. uh, really, really tough to handle. But I have to say handled and performed just expertly and so well. And, uh, again, I also have to say, um, the best piece of acting definitely within this show, but probably that I've seen for a very long time. Oh, wow. So. Thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> I'm curious, too. I mean, there there aren't a lot of school shootings in the UK, correct? No. That, that's correct. Yeah, we, we so don't. So what, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, I, I mean, to see it, it's such a, an American pandemic that I'm curious what it was for, for you where you live in a place where you're not having to wake up most days to reading something or seeing something where there's been a school shooting or a kid's brought a gun to school and bullying and all of those things. But I'm curious what it was like watching for, for you both. I'll let um, Simon go first. <laughs> I, th- I think it's, it's foreign. It's definitely foreign to us in both senses of the, of the word. And we had uh, our friend Lex, who's an American cover that episode with us as like a guest. And um, we were explaining that our, our experiences with it were very different because she watched it in real time and was in high school in American high school mm. and was saying that when she went to school the next day it the episode had stayed with her it was like a a, a feeling that had stayed where well, I think when we watch it and I, I guess and obviously we're we're older anyway now but it's kind of like that we wouldn't expect to see that happen because guns aren't accessible like that in mm-hmm. in this country um so i think it makes america feel scarier um and yeah don what did you think yeah it's not something that's um like a regular occurrence uh there was a weird statistic that i read the other day like um i can't remember what it is now there's like one is there one a day in the states Something like that. There's there's a school shooting a day. Yeah, my God, it's crazy. It's it's massively high. I mean, like scarily high. But but for us over here, there's one every other decade, perhaps. And and that's that's the the contrast. And it's because it's not so accessible to us. Um, And all our knowledge of it, and you know, witnessing it from films that have been made, you know. Michael Moore and on all of that and and everything that comes out on the news that you know if it's particularly horrendous it, it is you know what's displayed on TV and that's kind of our experience of it so kind of this this sort of little bit of insight that that you've allowed us and shown us like how how people can get into such a state mm-hmm. and into such a state of mind and then yeah do these things and act, and act in that way and this character and your character didn't want to hurt anyone really didn't really no. want to hurt anyone. Yeah, just, wanted just wanted to, to be heard. Just yeah. wanted to listen to me and prove a point. Yeah. Um, totally. And then it escalates, you know. But um, yeah, I guess for us, it's it's a bit alien. It's it's a bit strange. It's not something that we've ever dealt with. I certainly never went to school worrying about it or think it would ever be a possibility. You know, I'm sure everyone goes to school not thinking it'll happen. But yeah. you know, I guess in the states it does. So it's yeah, it's yeah. scary. And, and can I ask? Two questions on on the back of that, Colin. I mean, the first yeah. the first one being, um, how did it make you feel to be uh, proposed with that idea? I mean, that subject matter or being so serious um, and and like timely because that was something that was you know 
really happening um well it's happening all the time what we're hearing but you know it was like really predominant uh in in the news and everything and then also i have to ask just before i forget when i just want to hear you because you're the only person i think that can actually answer this (laughs) i had said um that in the episode when jimmy shoots the gun his eyes like go super wide Mm -hmm. like as in oh my god Mm -hmm. that's actually just happened yeah um and uh, I was saying, or we were saying, that that was the shock of that it, the gun actually went off. Like, it's something that maybe he'd thought about doing, thought about it, but never thought he would actually do it. And that that's the look of you'd actually cross the line. That's It was the moment that the line is crossed. As an actor, that's what it was for me. It was like, with the sound of it, the look of it, the breaking of the glass, the student reactions and screams, was like a whole new game like everything just flipped so yeah it was that shock of holy excuse my language holy shit like this is it um and now what do i do um you know he like wanted to be heard and seen and then now all he's wanting to do is hide and that was a my character choice too like if you watch the way i leave the way i walk from that it's like he retreats back and he's inward again and he's like shuffling along and he, all he does is want to, to blend in with the students, which, you know, he had wanted to be heard and seen finally. And then it was like, okay, wait. And then, so yeah, that's the moment where it was like, just, he knew, he knew everything was game changer right there. Hmm. Um, and it was all those things. It was the sound, the bullet, the, the, the spark from the gun, the the glass breaking, the student reactions, all that stuff. And what was then? Then you had another question. The, and how, how, how did you feel when it was proposed to you with that subject oh. matter? Um, it wasn't so much about the subject matter for me. It was more of like where I was as an actor at that time, and I was wanting to do a lot of dr- dramatic things. Like I, I just, I think it was around the time I had done this. Um, Southern Gothic uh, indie Sundance movie with Billy Bob Thornton and Harry Dean Stanton. And I was like wanting to be this like serious actor. And then when they said they wanted to bring me back in, I was like, yeah, I want to go back into the soap opera world and like fuck it up. And I was excited, (laughs) Um, scared and nervous, but excited to try to do that and start thinking about how we can do it really honestly and tell an honest story with like I said, within the whole world of a teen soap opera, um, but in terms of like the school shoot, like I didn't do any research on school shooting because as an actor, all you can really focus on, at least my feeling, is like the emotions and the thoughts and the what is the character thinking, what is the character feeling. It does not have anything to do with you know statistics of you know or, or you know. I just had to make it really personal and um, dig really deep and find the emotion and the, you know, the feeling behind that character and what he evolved to at the beginning of 315, the episode before, because that's really my only um, route in to like try to map it out from there, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would have been inundated with too many other thoughts thinking about, oh, we're covering school shootings and what that means. And I just tried to keep it about the script and the character and where he was in episode 315, what's happening with the time capsule, and then plotting each step forward after that. Like, Because as an actor, that's all I can do. Um, uh, and when you were kind of in that 
mode in that zone are you like okay everybody i need you to kind of stay away from me this is this is how i'm thinking i'm getting myself set or are you like okay once they say cut back to normal all chats and fun and it wonderful would ch- it would change it would change day to day um i remember there was a very serious feeling on the set for the entire time we filmed those episodes um i remember lee who's a friend of mine who plays mouth he was listening to music a lot and really listening to like depressing, you know, emotional music. And um, I think we kept our distance a little more than usual, but then there were days where it was super fun and light. It just kind of um, just depends, uh, depended on the day and what we were shooting. But um, I lost my voice. That was something that was really scary because we kind of shot it. We tried to shoot the 316 in order as much as we could, which means you're not jumping around too much. You're, you're kind of shooting it in the order that it happens. And in the beginning, I scream a lot. And so it was a really big issue where, you know, you shoot something 15 times, like one scene, you shoot from way far back and you come in for close-ups and you're doing the three shot, two shot, all the angles. And you have to, I learned a lot as an actor because it's like you have to, save yourself you have to reserve some of it but you still when they're filming the other actor and you're not on the camera you want to give that actor everything that you can to make their performance amazing so i would go all out um but i feel like on some of the wide shots i could have like done less uh but i really just tried to give it my all every every shot um or every take but i did lose my voice and they considered giving me like a a there's some kind of shot you can do in your throat um to get your voice back I was taking like throat coat. I was drinking all these teas and um, it was just a mess. It was just like a lot of work (laughs) Uh, trying not to lose my voice. And if you see at the end, when we do the suicide prevention, um, there's a PSA we shot at the very end and we filmed it right after we shot the last scene where I'm laying on the ground. And we had already been into, I think an hour or two of overtime and, psychologically shoot if you've ever held a gun to your chest and had it go off i mean it like it's a mind fuck and um i had to go right into doing this psa and i couldn't even like read the cue cards i mean if you watch it i'm so out of it don't even know what i'm saying um i think at one point chad was like are you serious like you can't like these are the lines and i'm like i'm out of it i was so so tired um but yeah so yeah, I guess that's that's one thing we actually probably hadn't considered is that you're a real life human being holding right. a, a gun to yourself and I guess setting it off, you know, yeah, I, I, yeah for a TV show. But you're, you're still doing that motion and that action. And I and, did yeah, not sleep that night. Oh, wow. I kept as I was dozing off, I thought I was dead. It was weird. That's unreal. That's crazy. Yeah, that's... like every night, every time I would start to doze off, and you like you wake yourself up again. I was like, I'm, oh my god, I'm dead. It was weird. It was really weird. The other crazy thing is the movie The Crow was filmed at the same studio, mm-hmm. and the my understanding from what I remember is when they were doing the gun instruction and they had me in a bulletproof vest because there was a blank, and even with a blank, just to be super safe. Uh, I was wearing some padding there on my chest and um, we rehearsed it, the gun in a, in another soundstage that we weren't using at the time for filming. And I'm fairly certain it was the soundstage where um, uh, Brendan Lee, the uh, 
actor in The Crow uh, was shot accidentally on set and died. Wow. Um, so he, he was Bruce Lee's son who was in the, the movie The Crow. Um, so that was another kind of trippy moment as well. So, um, yeah, it was intense for sure. But, I, but at the end of the day, I had so much fun doing it. I really did. And, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, with with the uh, recent controversy and sadness of what happened recently in the industry with uh, with guns and blanks as well, I mean, yeah, that must have been really, really scary. And, I mean, within that scene, one of the questions that, that we had was... Um, it's so memorable and heartbreaking that um, it always hurts and you're like thumping mm. on your chest. Right. Um, and as Don was saying, such a, such an amazing, nuanced, wonderful performance. When, when you were doing that, did, did you have a pad there or were you like actually damaging yourself because like you're doing it really hard? <laughs> yeah. I was wearing uh, the bulletproof vest. Right. Okay. So that was helping. Yeah. But you know what I can't remember? I don't know if that was written in the script or not. I, I can't remember. I don't have the script. So I, um, I'm curious. I was thinking back because I saw that question ahead of time and I was like, did I come up with that or was it in the script? But yeah, it was intense because it was take after take of really just knocking the shit out of my chest. <laughs> well, that That's the part that sticks with me and affects me the most that's the line really that gets me the most yeah but i mean not to go too deep into my own personal things but i i have we all have we all i hate it when people say oh, i have mental health whatever everybody has mental health you know it's something everybody has um i guess mine can be a bit turbulent sometimes and i can sometimes feel that way like it does sometimes it feels like it can always hurt and especially in heightened emotions and it was kind of like just um especially in like high school where everybody has these layers and facades of who they're supposed to be and like jimmy says the jocks the stoners or whoever and it was like every layer had been peeled back from jimmy at that point and it was just actually at the core you've got uh, a young a young guy a kid you know a teenager on their knees in ultra the vulnerability just saying it hurts all of these the looks the the microaggression the bullying all of these things it all has that effect and it was just such raw emotion um i really hope it was an ad lib by you so we can give you all of the credit but regardless the credit goes to you anyway for the performance it might have been written i don't know i truly don't know if anyone has a script out there let me know what it says um regardless yeah that's really cool that you connected that way i think it's you're right. It's a completely stripped down moment where he's just being so authentic and saying exactly how he feels. So well said. Well acted. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. We, we quite often say on the podcast that I have no soul because I, I tend not to cry at things. I don't cry at TV or films. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely moved by, by your performance. So, um, the fact that, you know, kind of, impact on simon uh, in such a way you know you can really you, you can really um see that performance getting through and that it, it means something mm-hmm. to people you know and it, it's so important and yeah. uh yeah it's definitely uh, such a fantastic job um Thank you. but do you think that any of the other characters um that sort of 
Jimmy was either previously close to or stuck with in the in the tutor centre or that had locked in the tutor centre with him could have could have saved him. They they did did they have the potential to to save Jimmy and turn this round and uh um you know either reconcile or you know start to make him feel better or you know get him to a a better place at least. It's a great question. I don't know if I know the answer because I mean I should right because I was the act I played the part. Um, my instinct says no. That is the second that the gun goes off, he knows he has done something that is like, you know, he can't come back from. Um, I think he wanted to. I think his despair. The way I played the character was that he, his despair and loneliness and sadness was so bad that there was nothing anyone could have done. Um, and that's kind of how I played it. And I, I, I think I played moments in the tutor room where he wanted to be pulled out and be saved. It's like, here's your life best. Like we're trying to save you. And I think mouth does that. It does a great job of that. And I think, um, uh, Bethany, um, Bethany Joy did, did a great Joy Lenz did a great job of that um, but it just wasn't enough I think I think some people are so low that or feel can get so low sometimes that, that there's no way up at times um, the goal I mean I think people can get out obviously people do get out of it and they, they live their lives and they do the best that they can to try to you know stay up as much as they can and um but I think in Jimmy's situation, there just wasn't a, an op- there wasn't a way it was ever going to happen. I think he knew once the gun went off that he wasn't going to leave the school alive. Mm. Yeah. And, and that's so kind sad. of what's so sort of fantastic about that final scene that you have, uh, you, you know, with Keith, you know, Craig Sheffer is opposite you because um, you have, like we were saying, Jimmy's got to that resolution. It's, this is it. I'm done. This is I, yeah. I can't go anymore. I've tried, and and the pain, and it hurts, and yeah. and you have the most reasonable, or what I, who I consider <laughs> to be the most reasonable character in the show, standing in front of you, saying, "I've been through this. I've I've been yeah. through pain. I can help you. I can do this." And yeah. that's what makes this so impactful: is that this person, who's the most, I, I'm going to say the word normal and reasonable and kind and helpful can't get through to you and yeah. that is is what impacts it the most for part me. because there is help i mean everyone mm. can get help it's just i knew how it was written and i was like i know how this is going to end and um it's just really sad all around that i mean i almost think the better writing would have been to have him be saved how cool would that have been mm. you know if it wasn't for the drama of it all because we already had 50 minutes of it did the last 10 minutes need to I don't know. That's just, I'm proposing that. Like, did it need to go that way? What if he could have been saved? Mm. What does that look like? What is the hero, the success story of depression look like? Right. I think that would have been kind of cool. I can tell you what I didn't like is that you then in full soap opera fashion have everything that we've just experienced for an hour with Jimmy Edwards 
And then Dan comes around a corner and picks up the gun and steals a spotlight. And it's like, steals a spotlight in the sense that you're now taking the focus away from mental illness. You're taking it away from suicide. You're taking it away from the gun pandemic that we have in our school systems in America. And I know that it's a soap opera and I had known what I'd signed up for, but I thought that was just like, it overshadowed it. I really did. But I also know that you had to serve the storyline and that that's the direction that it was going to go in. And, you know, maybe it was really good for the ratings, you know? So um, I can tell you too, that I didn't know. I was laying there on the ground. They, the final page of the script was X'd out. No one could oh, wow. see it. No way. And Redacted. I'm laying there after having done all that I just did. And then I'm like, what's going on? And <laughs> yeah. Wow. That would, have been, that would have been funnier if you just suddenly sat up out of the depth. Like, what? <laughs> what is going on? But that's so true, what you just said. Yeah. And I guess... I hadn't really considered that because we kind of see it as the the biggest twist in the right. show is that Dan shoots his brother. But I think what what you were just saying there, what could have been uh, maybe a more intricate way of writing it, it would have been really soap opery this way. But why not? It could have been that Jimmy shoots himself, then Dan comes in, uh, shoots Keith, but. Jimmy's not dead, right? You shot right. yourself, but, you know, missed yep. this stuff, you know, yeah. the yeah, important yeah. stuff. Um, right. And so you know, you know, like Jimmy knows. And yeah. so then Dan has this whole thing, but you can't be reached. And But then, because then you could have maybe had some sort of... Um, yeah like seeing therapy and mouth yep. could have done something to be a friend and sort of you know see what that looks like to get to a positive resolution because yeah and and then the other point that i just wanted to to add to to hear your thoughts on was um your episode so we had paul johansson on on the show and he said that um on that episode he was really unsure about having to do that scene and was scared about killing off um, Keith and Craig Sheffer's character. Um, but there was all this pressure on it because the show was going to be cancelled and this mm-hmm. was like an effort to increase the ratings, which it obviously did. I heard did. that. Yeah. Well, the show went on for another six seasons. So what you... Yeah, what so where's you my pulled... paycheck, guys? Right, <laughs> right. Well, but what you pulled off, you actually... If you had given a bad performance, right, or if it hadn't have gone well and hadn't been as amazing as it was... You know, you helped to provide jobs for, you know, however many hundred people on the set, the cast, everything managed to go on for another six years because of how pivotal that episode was. I mean, that's etched in history, in One Tree Hill history. I mean, that must be a a great feeling, right, that you had such impact. You're the first person that's ever said that. Yeah, that's um, I mean if that's true which i had heard that as well that it was like a ratings push to really bump up the stakes um it's amazing um but it's also it's kind of i don't know if i'm being fully honest i feel a little used right i tried to be on this show was in for the first two episodes they started writing me out of it i i had to leave and then i get brought back in to save the show i mean i don't know if that's the facts but it's like Mm. It's it's an amazing feeling, but it's you know, but it's also kind of like wow. I would have loved to have been in more episodes. That would have been fun. 
Yeah. Um, so um, it feels a little bit like a ploy, but I also, as an actor, loved playing the, those scenes. So had I, you know, had it not um, shaken out the way it did, you know, I wouldn't have had that opportunity, which I'm so blessed to have had. And, you know, I hear from fans all the time that have been through depression and attempted suicide and all of these things. And so the, the fans that I hear from, I mean, that's priceless. Like um, the fact that this show and specifically um, this storyline with my character has affected so many people. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, I would do it a million times over if it has helped or saved one person. So I'm somewhat joking with the whole like, oh, you know, brought in to save the show. But uh, but it, I'm very grateful. And, um, you know, if it's helped one person, that's fantastic. So no complaints. And that's super valid. Sorry, I know, I, I know Dom's got the next question, but that, that's super that's super valid uh, to feel that way. Um, like a feeling used, because I think I think we can. I think we 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 would all agree with that. Um, uh, I guess something to add is there's so many characters that come in and out of One Tree Hill, um, and particularly as we go on, you know, they might do two season stints, you know, whole seasons. Their yeah. impact is nowhere near what uh, Jimmy Edwards' impact is on the show, and as memorable, and like you said, and connecting with people, and if the art of the cinematic arts is about connecting with the viewer, then you did that a million times over. So, um, yeah, I think we're all grateful for, for what you gave and was definitely not forgettable where there are a lot of people on the other side of that, you know? Thank but you for yeah, saying you... that. That's very kind. Uh, I, I totally agree with what Simon just said as well because there's there's characters that I very much dislike at the moment <laughs> and uh, yeah you're miles above them. Which, you know, which characters in terms are you not writing. liking right now? <laughs> I can't stand Rachel. Uh, <laughs> it was she her drives fault. me. She well, released yeah, the time exactly, capsule. Exactly. She drives <laughs> me nuts, and this is all because of her. Um, but yeah, she drives me nuts. This is not a character I enjoy watching or, you know, seeing on screen. And I guess that's part of the writing. It's part of the, it's part of the reason you're not supposed to like this character. You know, yeah. um, she has a, a, a difficult history um, and she uh, makes her present difficult as well. And that's, that's the problem. Uh, yeah. And that's why I really, yeah, I really, really don't like the character, but um, yeah, yeah. I Exactly what Simon was saying. You, you, you change the landscape of the show for me in terms of teen drama to drama. And that, and that was, that was the difference. That's the, this, that's where the, the turning point happened in your episode and with what, your performance. So, um, when I did yeah. my job, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, I thank you all for watching and for, you know, being fans of the show. Oh, Absolutely. Forever, forever, always, <laughs> always. Well, uh, yeah, go on, Dom. Well, should we go to our listener questions? We've got a question from Kat. You, you, so we've got a question from some of our listeners, okay. and you kind of already touched on it a little bit with what you were just saying a minute ago, uh, Colin. And so this is from Kat, who's um, one of our Aussie listeners. Um, 
And she did Colin feel pressure as a guest character to come in and play the role again, where Jimmy changes the entire direction of the show? Would Colin have preferred to have been one of the Rivercourt guys who appeared randomly in a handful of episodes each season across the entire series? Or was tackling the two episodes, arc in season three, more rewarding of an experience as the actor um, to be so memorable as as Jimmy, basically? That part. Yeah, it was more memorable to come in and really just not, you know, blow it out of the water. Um, it was way more impactful to do that, I think. I mean, I think my my um, bank account would have rather had you know, <laughs> several seasons and several episodes and all that good stuff. But as an actor, I mean, you, you can't wish for something more than than those two episodes in the third season. So I really enjoyed doing it as an actor. It was Fantastic. Yeah. And, and can I ask you a question? Uh, I always ask, I'm someone that uh, enjoys uh, prop collecting and memorabilia mm. and those kind of things. You can see some of the stuff behind me. But um, did you did you get to keep any stuff? Like, did you keep, like, the burgundy hoodie or anything? Yeah, I didn't. And it's one of my regrets. I wish I had asked to keep the, the red hoodie. I feel like maybe I asked at one point, but they had to keep it for continuity because i also know when they did the abby oh i don't know how much i can say because dom hasn't how yeah far they've, they've done some of the dream yeah we've seen in some of the dream sequences where uh jimmy's body's on the ground right mm-hmm. and they've got yeah so yeah yeah and it's got the hoodie on me, some of that is me and then some of it is an, uh, a stunt double yeah right so they didn't want to fly me in to just lay on the ground which i would i don't blame them for that uh <laughs> but uh so they needed to keep the red uh hoodie for that i guess for like continuity stuff if they were to do other things um but i do wish i had the red hoodie i'm not gonna lie that would be i'm fun. gonna i'm gonna try for you so what i because we, we've been connecting with people from one tree hill in all different departments yeah. and uh we had uh, Matt Sullivan on who was the set dresser and then and he went on to um, being you know set designer and all kinds of cool things and yeah. he he's still friends with the guy that has all of the wardrobe and everything at Warner oh, Brothers nice. um, and he has bits in you know some of the things I've been trying to get things here and there uh, but I, I I if if we could manage to f- locate that hoodie it it deserves to be with you and framed that somewhere. Amazing. That would be fantastic. Let me know what what happens with that. Um, just to real quickly speak about Matt, the entire crew was so professional and amazing um, that, that we worked with the behind the scenes. Man, it was such a great group of people um, on that show. Um, you know, I just had to, I would be remiss if I didn't say that real quickly. But that's so cool that they've uh, you've been speaking, Matt, and getting some memorabilia. He he's so kind to me. I, I was trying to um, so I, whilst organising for him to come on, I was trying to find. Long story short, there was in later seasons there was uh, posters of mouth when he's doing something that I can't talk about because Dom doesn't know. And you don't know, actually, either. But anyway, he's doing he's doing something. And there, I'd found it online. And someone, I was offering to buy it off someone. And they were saying, it would, I'll give that to you for 
x thousands of dollars and was like Ooh. that's that's crazy and i was asking can i just have a copy of it or something i yeah. just wanted it for my office just as like a cool thing and i mentioned that to matt and he was just like no worries i'll uh, i've got the files i'll well he one of his friends from the show the, the designer i had the files they're like we'll just print them for you and send them to you um that's great. And I was like, I was like, I'll pay for the ship. And what? No, wouldn't take anything. He just sent them to me as a gift, and I have Amazing. them framed up here. But it just goes to a testament of what you're saying. Of they were just such kind, lovely people. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. So well, I'll definitely I'll email him and see yeah, if there's any know. known location on the hoodie because <laughs> you should have that for sure. That definitely. would be awesome. That'd be really cool. You might need to wash it and get the blood out of it. But... <laughs> I do think it would need to be washed. Absolutely. <laughs> well, um, our next question is from Maureen, who is uh, our Canadian friend. And uh, I'm just this is to show we're global with this, Colin. Um, right. And she, she says, do you wish they kept... Oh, this is kind of the same... Uh, do you, do you wish they kept the character of Jimmy written in the show from season one to three and spent more time on his growing feelings of isolation from the Rivercourt boys and the cool. rest of the school? Yeah. Uh, or do you think the dramatic re-entry into the show, which shocked many fans, was a better creative choice? Well, I mean, the shock value, you can't beat that. And I think if we had tried to do any of that kind of showing the, the build-up longer than what was shown, would have ruined that kind of shock factor. Um but no, I'll go back and say what, what you said earlier, how it would be really cool if it was actually done after, like the recovery, the mm. saving, the uh, redemption uh, in a positive way um, through friendship. I think that would have been cooler to see. So to have that on the tail end of things. But um, no, I think the shock value, it's like, that's pretty great. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it would be brilliant to see like the resurgence of Jimmy Edwards, like from obviously from pre-gun in the school Mm. um, and kind of see how we we see Lucas like later on so beyond you know your episode he's you know very angry with Jimmy and then all of a sudden he he changes because he doesn't believe Jimmy could have done it to Keith you know and and done what's happened so he kind of believes that there's there was good in him and that he could have he could have been the turning point and the change and and the helpful one and and would it have been would it have been Lucas that that helped Jimmy make that change it'd be really like interesting to have kind Mm -hmm. of toyed with those ideas I I guess yeah could have could have should have I know, I know, yeah. The, the Chad Michael Money, I'm going to start calling him now. <laughs> What's our next one, Dom? Uh, so we've got a question from Tammy, uh, which is a different one. Uh, so hopefully yeah, something a little bit different here. So uh, what did you enjoy or not enjoy about filming the episode? Uh, and do you keep in touch with any of the cast? So you've already mentioned uh, Lee Norris, um, so yeah, any, anyone else as well? Yeah, I, I keep in touch with Hillary the most. I would say Hillary and Lee, um, but we're all like on a group chat. So from time to time, there's, you know, um, there's a group chat. But um, yeah, I would say Lee and Hillary the most. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the what was the best part of it all? I mean, it was just really playing that that dramatic character like that dramatic stuff i mean it's like an actor's dream to be able to like do all those things and um 
that was probably the most fun. What was the hardest? I mean, losing my voice was really stressful because you talk about like carrying the weight of that episode and it's like, well, what happens if I can't speak and we're only on day two of filming? And so I was really nervous about that. So I was constantly stressing about that. I even, I even like, this is too much information, but the scene where I'm smoking out ahead of time before I walk into the school, um, I threw up like right before they called take. Like I, I was drinking the, the Theraflu or the throat coat to try to like get my voice back. And I was having to smoke cigarettes and like right before they called take, like I just went over by myself. No one saw it. No one, you know, had to see it, but like I physically got sick. And um, I think a lot of that was nerves as well, feeling like I was losing my voice. Um, but luckily it, it came back for the rest of the shoot. Uh, yeah, and I guess smoking part, yeah. like on the throat as well is never going to be good either. Um, but you killed it, so it's all good. <laughs> History wrote itself. Uh, Mia, I asked, did you do any research on school shootings? She answered that already. Already, <laughs> Nicole asked, potentially an obvious one, but we haven't asked it, so maybe not so obvious, Nicole. Uh, have you watched the episode back since, or how many times would you say you've seen? 316 I years ago I watched it one other time so I had watched it when it first came out and then a couple years later I watched it again but it's been a while um, I've seen snippets like fans will send like um, some snippets from the show and so I'll, I'll see a clip here and there um, but in terms of like sitting down and watching it from beginning to end um, I would say I've seen it like once or twice since it came out Wow. You, this should be a, a party piece. Uh, I mean, it'll be some pretty depressing parties, but you go, <laughs> yeah. you, guys, do you want to see some of the best acting in the last sort of 20 no. years or so? Boom. No. I'll throw that on. <laughs> They're all like, friends are like, where's your beard? <laughs> I had a beard for so many years. And every day we were filming that, it's like, that's the irony of playing a teenager when you're like 20 something. It's like every day you're like shaving to try to look as young as possible. <laughs> well you know we uh we watch the episodes each week with our listeners like we watch live on zoom the week and then the next week we go and record it and we watch that episode uh with like 40 of our listeners from around the world oh, at 11 wow. p.m our night it was the most anyone at the moment we usually get about 20 20 people or so and we had 40 people we had people in australia waking up at like six in the oh, morning uh america canada you know in germany all over europe everywhere coming in to watch oh. that episode to see dom reacting to oh my acting gosh and everything. Have you have a copy so, of this i would love to see it i i do he will do, yeah. <laughs> i'll send us yeah i well you i've got your email up nice so i'll when, find when a way to send it? you a link when did you sit down to do it uh, would have been about maybe February? five six uh well we're halfway through I reckon it would have been now. I reckon it would have been like five, five months ago, something like that. Oh, God. Because, Colin, we've actually, I, I, my first message to you was near, it was about a year and a half ago because I wanted to get it lined up before we got to 316. Like, I knew the most, it was like one of the most important uh, interviews that we could get. Had to, we had to get you on. Uh, Because it's, it's the most, it's the most. party. I apologize. (laughs) No, no, not no, at all. Not at all. And what we needed to be that Dom had seen your episodes anyway, so it's perfect timing. But uh yeah. 
sorry, Gondom. I'm rambling. That's so cool. I would love to see that. If you, if yeah, you I'll, pick it up. I'll send it. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Cool. I I always know when the episode is considered important or big or something big happens by the amount of people that join us on our watch alongs. Yeah. And and that <laughs> I was like what the fuck happens in this episode? There's so many people here. What What is going on? Nice. And obviously it got to where it got to. Yeah. Amazing. So, you know, you know what we should do, or, you know, we don't have to involve ourselves. What you should do at some point <laughs> is, uh, you could probably raise a good amount of money for like charity and things for things like suicide prevention and things yeah. like that by doing a live watch along because so many, I mean, oh, obviously yeah. that's a lot to put yourself through, but you know, so many people would be interested to, watch you reacting to the episode i'm sure that you know could do like suggestive donations and things yeah uh, uh, absolutely it'd be really cool to be able to stop and start too yeah like do like a stop and start because i'm so long-winded i would just want to talk so it's like they wouldn't be able to hear the episode if i'm trying to talk while it's happening but um that would be really cool we should put that together and donate to a good cause if you ever need people to, to do the stop start button for you we're your guys awesome <laughs> i'm terrible at all things technology so yes i would love your your help and support with that for sure we got you i'll, I'll pull out the the pink champagne everyone will get a glass <laughs> through the zooms nice. yeah nice <laughs> sorry go on Dom. Uh, so we have our, our next question from Chuck, uh, who's, again, one of our listeners. Uh, and he asks, what was the first thought that went through your mind when they pitched you the idea of this storyline? Um, what was my first thought? I was excited. I mean, I was nervous. It was like nerves, but excited. Like, I was like, yeah, I really want to do this. Because again, I was at, I was at the right point in my career. I was like, I was really wanting to do more dramatic work. So it was like, it was perfect timing. Um, and again, I wanted to go back and prove myself to, to the creatives, to the network, to be like, you know, I can do this. Um, so yeah, I was I was mainly excited and a little bit nervous. Yeah. Awesome. And then. The final question is from Daniel, and he asked that essentially a lot of the other characters in the tutor center end up kind of lashing out um, at Jimmy rather than sort of there are elements of positive support, but it's more sort of on the negative uh, foot. Um, Did that surprise you when reading that initially or did you find that, did you think that they would be more supportive or I guess that was put in to raise the stakes, so to speak? Well, I understood it because I think they wanted it to be like a dialogue. That whole being stuck in the Tudor Center was like this opportunity for all the different types of people in high school to like react or say what they would want to say. So it's kind of like a representation, I think, was the goal of that. I could be wrong, but, like, I think it not, – not all of it made a lot of sense because at the end of the day he had a gun and he could have shot whoever the hell he wanted to shoot. Right. But um, I think it fed the story it, it fed the storyline in a nice way because all the different groups, whoever, when you're watching, whoever you're identifying with in that room has a voice. And it might not be the right thing, like trying to intervene or um, or – say mean things um might always not be the right thing to do but it you know i think it helped um feed the storyline to where everyone could feel like they had a say if that makes sense 
Um, mm-hmm. Because again, I think they really wanted it to be about a dialogue that um, it wasn't just me yelling at everyone. It was like everyone had a chance to kind of to um, react in the way that they thought that their characters would have reacted. Yeah, great answer. All great answers. Amazing. Yeah. I, 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 we I'm could talk. Yeah, you, you've you've killed it. I mean, we could talk to you forever, but we know that you have a life and you have to, have to live it. Um, but we're we're so incredibly grateful for your time. It's been an, an honor to speak with you and uh, for all of your insight. And like we've both been saying, we really appreciate your performance uh, in in the show. And the legacy will live forever. Um, so yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you all. Um... The, the One Tree Hill fans are the best fans that that exist. So there would not have been a show without the fans. And um, thank you for all the kind words. Thank you for having me. Thanks for watching the show. And um, we'll do it again soon. It, it's been an absolute pleasure. And honestly, our, our maybe not. We won't do privilege. it. Again. Jimmy's dead. But you know, maybe we'll do a re, we'll do a rewatch where where you know we can raise uh, some money for charity. That would be really fun. So. That would be that would be so cool, and thank you so much again. Like the, exactly what Simon's just said, you you've been amazing. So it's been a pleasure, absolute pleasure, to talk to you. Good to see you both. Thanks, Dom. Thanks, Simon. Thank you.